Hello everyone, Sean McCaffrey back with another weekly wrap-up. There is a ton to cover today, so I'm going to try to jump right into it with the two most important events that just happened over this past week, and that was the men's and women's NCAA basketball tournaments wrapping up, the champions being crowned there. And jumping right into that, looking at the men's tournament, if you, re- if you listened to my last one, you know I set the stage a little bit for that final four And then that final four, obviously, that decides who's going to play in the national championship game. So looking at that first game, it was FAU a nine seed versus San Diego State a five seed matching up. That was it was such a great game, a lot of back and forth. San Diego State, they jump out to a nice lead, but FAU brings it back and goes up by as much as 14. However, San Diego State, they bring it back themselves. Game about to end. It's 71 to 70. Less than 10 seconds left, San Diego State down one, gets the ball, mid-range jumper as time expires, San Diego State, they win the game 72-71, to an absolutely electric finish, a ton of fun to watch that game, San Diego State obviously moves on to the championship game. Now looking at the other side there, who is going to be playing San Diego State in the championship, it was between UConn, a four seed, Miami, a five seed. UConn, they go out there, they win 72-59. to Again, such a great team. They played so well throughout the entire tournament, and that did not change in the championship game. UConn, your men's NCAA basketball national champions. UConn, they beat San Diego State 76-59 to in that national championship game. They just play, they they beat every single team in the tournament by double digits. They played so well. They might have been a four seed, but they played like a one seed. I don't think there was a single team in the tournament that could have beat these guys with the way they played. Once they got a lead, they were not going to let it go. They deserve to win the championship. That's UConn's fifth national championship. They've really kind of cemented the basketball program as a blue blood basketball program up there with the elites. So congrats to them on their fifth national championship. And looking over at the women's side, that final right there, this was a ton of fun this year, the women's tournament. And looking at the championship game, it was LSU, a three seed versus Iowa, a two seed. LSU, they win the game 102 to 85. Honestly, wasn't a very competitive game. Despite the fact that Iowa actually came in as the favorite, LSU just went out there and and just demolished them. Now, really, where the controversy comes here, where the, the national storyline is coming out of this one, isn't even necessarily about the result of the game. It's about the controversy between Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese. Now, I'm not going to voice my opinion on which one I think, which side I'm taking on this. I'm just going to kind of state exactly what each side's arguments are, and then you guys can make up your minds about it. So, Caitlin Clark... A player for Iowa had a great tournament, got a ton of national recognition. She did have quite a few celebrations throughout the tournament because she was playing really well. Put up 30 in multiple games, put up 30 in the championship despite the loss. She did a You Can't See Me celebration in one of the games. And that's the reason I bring that up is because Angel Reese, a player for LSU, as the game is ending, it's decided LSU is going to be the champion. Looks like she seeks out. Caitlin Clark does the you can't see me celebration, tapping the ring finger, you know, give me my ring, we're going to be champions type of thing. The people who are on kind of the Caitlin Clark side say what Caitlin Clark was doing earlier in the tournament, that was that was just a celebration, maybe at most a mild bit of a taunt, but what Kate but what Angel Reese did in that final, that that was just outright taunting, that was poor sportsmanship, that was being a sore win, a winner. 
uh, because the game was already over and she looked like she seeked her out. The people on Angel Reese's side say, you know what, Caitlin Clark, she was taunting earlier in the tournament. Let Angel Reese celebrate. Let her do a little bit of a taunt because Caitlin Clark did the same thing. So you can make up your mind about that. Some people, again, on Angel Reese's side, some people on Clayton Clark's side. I'll let you guys make up your mind about that. But nonetheless, LSU, your NCAA women's basketball champions. Now, as those two seasons come to a close, we're talking about the beginning of a different season, and that is the MLB season. And there is an entire new rule in MLB that is having, you know, it really, it's actually being, it's effective at the way it's effect, uh, affecting the game, and that is the pitch clock. And the whole goal of that is to reduce the play time of the games. That's what the MLB is trying to address. And on opening day, it was successful and it's continued to be successful throughout the first week. On opening day last year, the average play time was 3 hours, 11 minutes. This year, the average play time, 2 hours, 45 minutes. So they're saving 26 minutes. So the pitch clock is successful. I'm going to talk about that rule just a little bit so you guys understand it a little more. It's a little bit controversial. Some people like it. Some people don't like it. I kind of enjoy that it picks up the pace of the game, but I'm still trying to fully wrap my head around the rules of it myself. But I'll explain to you guys just a little bit about, obviously, what I understand after watching it and reading the rules. So the pitch clock, what it is is, a pitcher only has a certain number, a certain amount of seconds to deliver a pitch to the batter. If the pitcher does not deliver that pitch in that amount, of, in the allotted amount of time, and the allotted amount of time is different, so to explain those just allotments really quickly. In between batters, it's 30 seconds. If there's nobody on base, it's 15 seconds for a pitcher to deliver a pitch to a batter. And then if there is somebody on base, so let's say guy on first, second, or third, it's 20 seconds for a pitcher to deliver a pitch to the batter. And every batter, a pitcher gets two disengagements. And what a disengagement means is that they can try to pick off a runner if there's somebody on. Oftentimes, it's first base where a pickoff tries to happen. Or they just simply step off. They want to regather themselves before delivering a pitch. Now, if a pitcher does not deliver a pitch in that certain amount of time, it's automatically a ball for the batter. And if on the other side of that, though, if a batter is not in the batter's box at a certain amount of time left in the pitch clock, it's automatically a strike for them. And then also quickly looking at that disengagement piece of it, a pitcher only gets two disengagements per batter. And then the third one, they have to pick the guy off if they decide to disengage. And if not, it counts as a balk. And what a balk means is a guy gets a free base. So if he's on first, he gets to move to second. So really ups the stakes of the game a little bit with obviously this massive rule change. But the whole goal of it is to pick up the place of play. That's been successful to this point in the season. It seems like people like it. We'll see again how it goes. It's so early in the process of this pitch clock. It's tough to tell. But so far, they've been successful in achieving that goal of reducing the play time. Now, I promised you guys last week I was going to talk about a little NBA NHL action, and I'm talking about that right now. So looking at the NBA, again, that regular season coming to a close. To quickly talk about the top teams in the Eastern Conference, it's the Bucks, Celtics, and Sixers in that order currently on the standings right now. Looking at the top teams in the West, it's the Nuggets, Grizzlies, and Kings. I have to mention the Kings here. They have been one of the most fun teams to watch this year. They're finally going to break a 17-year, 18-year. They, the they had the longest playoff drought in North American sports at the time, and they've now broken it. They're the third seed right now and clinched a playoff spot. They've just been so much fun to watch throughout the season. 
And looking at those MVP odds for the NBA, Joel Embiid is currently the favorite to win the MVP award uh, unless Jokic, Nikolai Jokic, who's in second, it's a two-horse race right now, but Joel Embiid has solidly planted himself as the favorite for it. Unless Nikolai Jokic, who's won the previous two MVP awards, can make some type of massive swing, it's going to be Joel Embiid winning the MVP there. Now, moving to NHL, there's four divisions in NHL. I'm going to just talk about the top teams in each of those real quick. In the Atlantic division, it's the Boston Bruins. They're the best team in hockey, if you look at the points at least. They have 125 points. Nobody else is even really that close to them. Looking at the Metropolitan Division, it's the Carolina Hurricanes on top of that. Those are the top two teams in the Eastern Conference. Looking at the Western Conference, that Central Division, it's tied up there at the top. The Dallas Stars and the Minnesota Wild both have 98 points. And then looking at the Pacific Division, it's the Vegas Golden Knights on top of those. So again, right there, only five, six games left in the regular season there, and we're getting so close to playoff time. And again, looking at that MVP award for the NHL, it's Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid's going to win it. He's already won it twice, and this looks like it's going to be his third award for that. Now, looking ahead to next week, again, NBA, NHL, those regular seasons are about to wrap up. Another whole week of MLB baseball, and this coming weekend is the Masters, which is played at Augusta National. It's a little, it's probably the biggest golf event of the year. I'm excited to watch that. I'm excited for another week of a ton of sports action. I hope you guys are too. This was Sean McCaffrey with the Weekly Wrap-Up.